1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Health Hub. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Good morning, Alex.
2: Good
3: morning, Kathy.
1: All good with you this morning? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Things are well. Things are well. Things are well. The weather is beautiful again here, so we're having the, the fall weather that we wanted in the summer, but it's still Nice. I know uh, we got to save it while we can. Right? Yes, we can. I we, we know we can. it's around the corner. <laughs> yeah, I already the the Christmas commercials are coming on. All that stuff. Uh, they bypass like Thanksgiving and Halloween, and they're straight on to the Christmas. So yeah, it's just around the corner. I've seen the countdowns already for Christmas. So we will embellish this weather while we can. Today's show is a very interesting show. A a few shows back, we had a pet psychologist on, and she sort of helped us understand our animals and our pets and trying to relate to them. We got very good response to that show. And in doing so, I guess it got us to the understanding that a lot of people do have pets, and pets are a very important part of a lot of people's lives, so today's show, we're going the other way. We are bringing on uh, a wonderful guest who has a very unique uh, field of specialty, and she's a pet bereavement specialist. So I don't know about you, Alex. Have you ever had a pet? No. The closest thing that I had to a pet was uh, taking taking care of a fish tank, which I didn't really take <laughs> care of. But uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but, so but, uh, <laughs> this, I don't know, you may be able to relate to the show. I don't know. Fish. Well, I guess you can get attached to fish. Well, well I, I do have uh, some relatives in Montreal who do have a dog, they have a dog. and and he's a very affectionate dog, and I, I can appreciate and 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 see what kind of uh, relationship can come from having a pet. It's it's a wonderful. It is a it, it is a wonderful for, thing for those owners, but for me in particular, I, I was well with all my allergies and everything. I'm actually a, a, allergic to most dogs and cats anyway. So uh, okay, in a sense. That's my, that's my extent of, um, my experience with with, dogs dogs and stuff. Dogs and cats. We have a dog. We had, um, our first dog was a little guy. He was a Havanese. His name was Mimo. And, um, we, he was, he was a a little guy, very affectionate in our family. He was, uh, in addition to our four kids. Mm -hmm. So he was like, you know, the fifth. So he was, he was very much a, a family oriented type of dog and we had to put him down about, I guess we're going on nine years now. I was trying to figure out on my way down here how long it's been. And just in relationship to the dogs we have now, I think it was about nine years, right around Christmas time. And it was terribly traumatic, terribly upsetting for our whole family. We, he had, he had been sick. His his little stomach would fill up with fluid and we'd have to get it drained. And we took him to the hospital after he fell down the stairs. And basically, they told us that he had a liver disease that he wouldn't recover from. Mm-hmm. And we could keep him alive, medicated. Um, they would. They said for six months to a year, we would have to continue getting his stomach drained so that he didn't have a balance problem and all the other effects of the, the drainage. Or the other choice, of course, was to euthanize him. And it. my husband and I went in. Uh, we told the kids we were bringing him down because he was quite sick. So the kids all came to the hospital we're at. But my husband and I went in and um, had to make the decision. And they did not give us an indication one way or the other of which way they thought we should go. They just presented the facts, which is you know basically what they had to do. And in the end, we decided that um, we would put him down because keeping him alive was for our benefit, not his. Right. And so... They put us in this little morning room or goodbye room, and in he came. I get a little emotional to think about it now. And he came running in like nothing was wrong with him, jumped up on our laps, and I tell you, it was awful. And my my son and my two sons and my husband went in uh, for the procedure. I I couldn't do it. It it was um it was something. It was really something to get over with, and it is a stressor. And to have someone like Colleen that I'll introduce to you in a few minutes on the show. It's, it's a very important um, thing that she does. And we want to make this known to people because literally, and depending upon the role that your pet has within the family as well, I mean, he was like a, I guess I said a fifth child, but some people are alone with their pet, which is a whole different level of trauma and stress when you lose one. So I, I want to um, get Colleen on the show after break and bring this subject to light She, uh, Colleen, in 2014, had after a 23-year career in business, embarked upon a career as a pet loss grief specialist. Colleen has been certified as a pet loss grief recovery specialist through the American Association of Healthcare Professionals and trained as a pet bereavement counselor with Dr. Wallace Seif, a private practice psychologist and founder of the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement. Shortly after her certification, she applied for and became Dr. Seif's assistant in the training course, and then in January 2015 was appointed uh, deputy trainer. After that, she was invited to sit on their board of directors. Currently in her practice just south of Hamilton, Ontario, she has an affiliation with nine veterinary offices and uh, the Hamilton Region Emergency Vet Clinic. Clients include children, individuals, couples, and uh, numerous veterinarians who take upon her services for their own clients. So after we get back from the break, we will speak with Colleen and really get into the topic of uh, pet bereavement. We'll be back after this break.
2: They
0: Are listening to Radio Maria Canada? We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are live today. If you'd like to call in and speak to Colleen or myself upon uh, the subject of pet bereavement, please feel free. Our number is 416 245 1534. You can reach me on Twitter at Kathy underscore Biasi. We are also on Instagram at The Health Hub RMC. Facebook, and if you'd like to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca, we'd be happy to get back to you and answer any questions that you might have. Welcome to the show, Colleen. Thank you very much, Kathy. I am very
3: excited to be on your show today and just talk about this special service that is available. It's um, it's very, very new to Canada. It's been around in the um, UK and the United States for probably about 30 years, I would say. But here in Canada, we're just starting to explore it. So this is a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to get it out to as many people as we can because uh, I don't know if you heard at the top of the show, um, we had you know we had a personal experience with the loss of a pet. We have two more yes. pets now, and it's, um, it, it's, it is a form of stress. It is a loss, in many cases, of a close member of the family. And if you have not been through it, You might not understand it, but Mm -hmm. it is very real, as you would know. What led you to become, you know, change your career twenty-three years down one path, and then and then become a pet bereavement specialist?
3: Well, it's pretty cool that your show is about um, health-related ideas. Um, It actually, I guess, it happened to me that I had a, a health crisis, and I wanted to change my career. And so, what I did was, I looked at what my passions were. And one of them, of course, was helping people. And the second one was, um, is animals. I've always had a very special affinity with animals. And I guess what really, um, tipped the scales for me is that I had to euthanize my beloved golden retriever and very shortly thereafter my horse. Oh. And the two situations devastated me, and I couldn't understand um, how something like that could affect me so dramatically. Um, I I had experienced several uh, human deaths in my life, but none of them hit me with the force that these two did. Um, So I, I sat down and I started thinking about, why I ended up in a crumpled form on the vet's floor when my when my dog was euthanized. And I started thinking about how this affected other people and was there anything that I could do to help people through this. I started doing some research on the Internet about pet loss and uh, found a course in the U.K., which was um, modular, it was online, Um, I decided to to take it. It it was a very nuts-and-bolts approach to becoming a a pet loss grief counsellor, but it didn't give me what I needed to actually go out and help people. So I went back to the Internet, and I came across um, another online course through the American Institute for Healthcare Professionals, And I took that course, and it was kind of like Goldilocks and and the Three Bears. It was very, I found it very academic and helped me put pet loss in perspective and enjoyed it. But again, I came back and I thought, how am I going to help people? I actually do not know what to do to sit down and help counsel somebody through the the tragedy of losing a pet, I went back to the internet for the third time, and I came apro- across the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement, and they had a course uh, called Pet Loss um, Bereavement Counseling and a certificate. And the more I read about it, the more it sounded like what I what I wanted. And it was a five week very very intensive course. I have done coursework for two graduate degrees, and this course was more difficult than both of them combined <laughs> it really it it, it was i it was so in depth and really forced you to think about pet loss and how to how to help people and covered all different um, topics with it. And what was really excellent about it was that the final exam was a practicum of six different counseling scenarios where you had to actually walk through what you would do and what you would say with somebody who came through the door with this particular type of scenario that happened.
1: So, is your scenario, do finished- they deal with, are you dealing with, um, After a pet loss, or do you also prepare people uh, for, uh, you know, for the impending loss of a pet? Well, with this, with these particular questions, they ranged from um,
3: a, a person let their cat out, which they had normally done, and the cat actually went under the car, Mm -hmm. the person just forgot that they had let the cat out and backed over it. Mm -hmm. And the image was so real in this person's mind, the guilt was overwhelming.
1: What would you do? How would you counsel that person to get through that? You know, the component that comes out um, when you're talking is a lot of times some of the grief comes from the guilt of making oh, the decision, like i I, I don't know, mm-hmm. I obviously don't have the figures for things, but in many, many situations, in our situation, we had to make a decision to euthanize our pet. And mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. imagine if you if you discover one morning that your pet has died through the night, accepting that is much different process than the process of actually, saying to the vet we want to euthanize our pet and that is that is something i mean you're it's almost like leading a, an innocent lamb to slaughter and i imagine mm-hmm. that is what you deal with quite a bit when you're talking with people
3: yes and what i need to do is help people work through that grief and one of the stages of um of bereavement is guilt and you need to be able to Help that person understand that what they did was actually, in, in, in your case, for example, with, um, with your animal being sick and, and not really having a chance for recovery, is to reframe that and help them see that they actually did the very best thing that they could for their animal. Euthanasia means the good death.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
3: Yes, it, it comes from the, the Greek, um, it's derived from the Greek word, you is good and um, thanatos is death. And it's it's a gift that we can give our, our animals at the end. They've provided us with years and years of companionship um, and unconditional love, and we can help them at the end. The, the, so, it's a matter of, of reframing. And the, that's, um, we use cognitive behavioral therapy in sessions to help people do that.
1: To make them think differently. But the other component, yeah. um, Colleen, is the expense. And that, mm-hmm. again, can bring, you know, the night. Heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking mm-hmm. when you have to decide mm-hmm. what you can afford and what you can't. Because the, mm-hmm. you know, there is pet insurance. I understand that, but that gets costly. Um, Absolutely. And the, uh, you know, and I can only look to our situation. The one day that went into evening that we took our dog to the hospital and euthanized him, and then got mm-hmm. you know the the footprints and all that other uh, stuff that comes with the what they do for you. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a three thousand dollar expense. Yes. And that is out of reach for a lot of people. I mean, it's, so that guilt as well. So it's not Mm -hmm. the same as, you know, a human to human thing. It's, Mm -hmm. it it is a huge guilt that some people have to get over, isn't it?
3: Yes, it is. And um, what you, again, what you have to do is be able to reframe that. Your animal is a companion to you, but you need to be able to live your life as well. And if that $3,000 operation is going to put your family in jeopardy and not be able to get uh, braces for your child, you have to be able to live with the thought that you did what was best for you and your family.
1: It is. It's a very tough situation. It's tough, but you have to do it. Yeah, You know, I guess maybe... Um, you, you have to walk into this relationship when you're buying a pet, understanding what mm-hmm. the different scenarios could possibly be. But the the, yeah. the human-animal bond is quite unique. Oh,
3: it's fabulous, yes.
1: How, can, you, can you comment on that, what you've learned and seen? Well, what, what I found is that, um, and,
3: and what we've learned is that there are three different types of um, animal-human bond. Uh, the first one is, is called, um, weekly bonded. And that would cover somebody who has, say, a, um, a garage. And they keep a dog chained up and on guard for protection. And trying to keep, you know, people out. All the human does there is provide, in some cases, um, you know, food and and no love at all. Just
1: sustenance.
3: Yeah, just sustenance. There's no bond. There's no relationship. The second type is um, moderately bonded. And you would see this with people who have animals for the sake of um, keeping them, uh, keeping the person happy or saying, oh, well, I have a dog and, you know, what this is the way it is. But they have no true depth of emotion there. Mm-hmm. If the animal passes, it's, well, okay, we'll get another one. And then the third type, and this is the type that I would see in my practice, are those people who are profoundly bonded. And that animal is actually a part of the family. So mm-hmm. like, like your dog was. Yes. They are it, they're considered um, very close. And, as I said, a a part of the family. Um, It's with those animals that you actually have um, a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And depending upon the role that that animal plays in the person's life, um, that's the extent to which they will grieve. So, for example, um, a police person who has a... um, a dog, as part of their unit, they can become completely traumatized when that animal dies in action. Mm-hmm. A young child who is an only child can have a relationship with an animal, a cat or a dog or a hamster, whatever, um, and and treat them actually as a sibling. Um, a widower widower, that animal could be the last link that they have with their there's supposed that has, has died. So there are so many different ways that that animal-human bond can be played out. And then and you have to treat unique.
1: each differently as they come he, in to see you.
3: Absolutely. Every time somebody walks in, it's, it's a completely different set of circumstances, and they can be as unique as an animal is. Okay, and and not all animals within um, a relationship are the same, and you can't treat them that way.
1: I guess They're the relationships even within the family members to the same oh. pet is completely different. So when we get back um, from the break, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, I'd like you to walk us through, you know, how you operate your your um, services. Maybe we okay. can go through a, a, a visit, you know, how you okay. would approach people and get more into exactly what you do so that people have a really good idea of of the services you offer and how valuable you can be. Uh, in a such a hard time uh, mm-hmm. uh, when people go through this. So we'll be back right after our break.
4: Because we all make mistakes sometimes And we all step across that line But nothing sweeter than the day we find We find it's hanging over him like the clouds of Seattle And raining on his swag, falling deeper in the saddle It's written on his face, he don't have to speak a sound Somebody call the 5 oh, we got a man down Now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But kill does a job on each and every man's soul And when your head hits the pillow at the nightfall You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight, y'all Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we've all stepped across that line but nothing sweeter than the pain we find Forgiveness, forgiveness And we all stop letting we fall Bridges burn in the heat of it all But nothing's sweeter than the pain Sweeter than the pain we call All for forgiveness we all, we all need, forgiveness. we all need We all need forgiveness We all need, we all need, we all need. Mr. Lecrae, uh Mama told me what I would be in for If I could throw the anger inside of me pent up My heart been broken, my wounds been open And I don't know if I can hear I'm sorry being spoken But those forgiven much, should be quicker to give it And God forgave me for it all, Jesus bled forgiveness So when the stones fly, and they aim to chew Just say forgive them father, they know not what they do now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But kill does a job on each and every man's soul you know And when your head is a pillow with the knife on You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we all stepped across that line But nothing sweeter than the day we find You are. You're not that far, you're not too far yes. No matter how hurt you are, you're not that far, you're not too far
0: The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice, wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are talking today with Colleen Rowland. She is a pet loss bereavement specialist it is a topic that touches many of us um, Colleen, before we went to break, we touched briefly on the stages of grief that mm-hmm. um, pet owners go through when they when they lose a pet, and we are talking about um, the type of bond that you talked about where mm-hmm. uh, that you deal especially with where the pet becomes uh, almost a member of the family. So the stages of grief, you want to get a little bit deeper into that, and then maybe throughout that you can tell us where your role and where you can come in to support people.
3: Okay. Um, as you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came up with stages of, of grief for um, human loss. Uh, Dr. Wallace Seif, who wrote, I think, probably the, the best book on pet loss, um, came up with stages in, like that he recognized after dealing with thousands of cases. And um, the phases are shock and disbelief at the very beginning. Nobody can quite prepare themselves for the fact that their animal was there and now is gone. When you enter into that relationship, You always know that it's going to happen one day, but when it does, it hits you like a a ton of bricks. So people go through that phase at the very beginning. Um, These phases that I'm going to talk about, it's important to note right off the, the bat that while there are five of them, the first one is always going to be, um, shock and disbelief. And the last one will always be resolution. The three in between, you can go back and forth almost like a roller coaster until you finally come out, um, with resolution at the end. So shock and disbelief, anger, alienation, and distancing is, um, phase number two. What happens there is that, you go through a period of being very angry um, and or distancing or alienating yourself from people around you you 're mad that you lost your your animal that they have died, and that they 've left you 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 're grieving quite a bit, and what happens sometimes is that grief is um, comes out in anger. At those closest to you. Unfortunately, vets are often, um, the target of that anger. And it, it, in most cases, it's, it's unjustified, but it is a phase of grief and you have to go through it. Um, guilt. You mentioned it, um, you know, when you saw your, your small dog come out running to you after you and your husband had made the decision. Even though you knew that that was the best thing for you and your family, and for the dog ultimately, there's still an overwhelming sense of guilt that visits upon people when they have to make that decision. In some cases, it's merited, um, you know, when an accident happens, and that's another whole a uh, situation that has to be dealt with um, when I when I talk to people, but for the most part, the guilt is unmerited or unjustified. Following guilt comes depression, and depression, as you probably know, is just anger turned inwards. You're very depressed after you after you go through a bond or establish a bond with an animal they provide us with unconditional love. We don't even get that type of unconditional love from anywhere else. They we're almost in what's called a caretaking loop with them. We we nourish them and nurture them, which is part of of the human experience. And in turn what happens is they provide us with a great deal of stability. So when we lose that bond, um, we go through a period of depression. What we ultimately want to get people to is a place of, of resolution. Um, at one point, that that stage was called closure, but people really um, react to the word closure in a, a very interesting way, and that is that they don't want to shut the door on the animal that they've lost. So, So what um, Dr. Seif did was he changed that word from closure to resolution so that resolution happens when you can think about your pet and smile and remember the lovely memories that that you've shared because an animal, in most cases, becomes um, a mirror of your best self. Mm. How true. And so that's what that's what my goal is is to get people um, through the stages of grief talk to them about the stages of grief so that they can kind of um, feel almost like normal in in the grief that they're feeling I mean you talked about it the tragedy that can hit and the trauma that you can feel is very it's devastating so if people know that there are certain Phases that they'll go through. It helps to normalize that grief.
1: And you know, sometimes the the issue too is other people don't understand. <laughs> you know, it's it's to react. You know, some people think it's 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 weird or it's off when mm-hmm. you react mm-hmm. so dramatically to the loss of a pet. I mean, you almost mm-hmm. want to hide it because yeah. people oh. don't understand that you know it's just a dog or it's just a cat. Why are you so upset? And yeah. so you've also got that aspect as opposed to guilt or as opposed to going through grieving the loss of, mm-hmm. of a human companion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's a guilt, there's a, there's a shame maybe even attached to it that you're, you're so upset about things. Um, so a different component. Yes, there, people just don't get it unless they've been mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. Now, how long would you think this whole process takes? What is a healthy length of time for this Process, um, okay, can I just step back
3: to what you were saying? That particular feeling that you were just talking about the shame, there's actually a, a term for that. And that is called disenfranchised grief. And that's the very first thing that I deal with when I see somebody. Disenfranchised grief is a grief that is not validated or recognized by people in, in your world. That could be a boss, it could be even sometimes um, a family member. It could be coworkers. It could be anybody. It's just a dog. Get over it. Get a new one. Mm-hmm. Your cat died. It's okay. Well, you know what? I get it. But just like let's get let's get over it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So you you said it exactly. They um, people feel a sense of shame for feel, for feeling so badly when their animal dies. So what they do is they push it down, and they don't deal with it. So I just wanted to, to go back to that point, because it's very, very important.
1: It, it is, you know, again, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned this several times when we talk about the stress mechanism, and not dealing mm-hmm. with stress and not coming to a resolution with stress has mm-hmm. many physiological uh, negative effects on yes. on our on our system. So mm-hmm. you know we have to get to to the bottom and and to resolve, as you say, and that's why what you're doing is so very important. Because you know it's 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 an unchartered territory for people. People don't know yet. They to don't know what how to do. No, yeah, or, or that you're you're it. someone like you is available. Now, are you in are yeah. you in contact with veterinarians? Can people get? You know, is this something that you're trying to do? Because that that would be the front line for you, is having vets say, you know, this service is available.
3: Here's what happens. Um, I have reached out to a number of of veterinary offices, and when I was first starting out, I actually went to see um, three or four different vets, and I put out to them what I wanted to do. They were all over it. They were so excited. One vet even started to cry in her office because she finds it very very difficult to deal with it day in and day out they suffer from something called compassion fatigue so they when i when i went to visit them they said yes please go ahead with it so i reached out to other vets and they have my cards um in their office one uh veterinary office actually includes my literature with um With their euthanasia clients, they give it to them when Mm -hmm. they're going through it. Now, here's the double-edged sword. We talked about disenfranchised grief. People who are going through this, this is considered a mental health issue. You know how mental health issues are still stigmatized today. Imagine what it's like when you feel the amount of grief that you feel, for an animal, people are very, very reluctant to reach out to, to somebody like me because they feel ashamed. Mm. It's, it's so sad. It's so sad. So um, the people that I have dealt with have generally been um, from the emergency vet clinic and people through word of mouth i've had I've had so many emails from um people who want to make use of my services, but when it comes down to actually making an appointment, they're very reluctant.
1: Do they need so, to come in and see you or can you do skype consults? What's that process i yep I will do a skype consult
3: absolutely um, i the people that I have seen have been in my home where it's a very safe environment. There are Kleenex boxes all over, but when they first come through the door, they are so reluctant to talk. So mm-hmm. I have to build a bond with them immediately and and get them to feel safe.
1: Well, with you know, with a sick pet and mm-hmm. the possibility of a decision to be made, do mm-hmm. you offer services to people? Do you? Counsel them on that aspect of of a decision, or is that out of your realm, or or to an, uh, going a different way? Once they've made that decision, can you be with them to support mm-hmm.
3: them? I will do the full gamut. Um, if a, a vet refers somebody to me, and don't forget that vets are in a very um, difficult situation; they have to lay out the options for the person. And they are very reluctant, um, nor can they, give their uh, advice on which way to go. They just just can't. Um, So what I have offered to them is that I'm very happy to come in, review the um, the situation, and I can act as a third party who is separate from it. Um, I use the Quality of Life scale to help a person see that um, their animal, in most cases, is, um, is suffering greatly. People, unfortunately, not all, some people put their needs first. It's very difficult for them to make that decision because they don't want to be without that animal. But if you look at what that animal is experiencing and the pain... If, if you know, if it's a, a disease situation, then I can help them see it. And I would, I am very, you know, I'm honored to be able to do that. Um, likewise, I will go with them. Uh, I can even stand in um, at the time of euthanasia. People who decide not to be there oftentimes will experience guilt afterwards So I can talk to them about their decision one way or the other um, and afterwards absolutely counsel them um, in the grief that they're feeling.
1: Yeah, I couldn't be with my dog, Uh, but luckily I had my boys and my husband. Exactly. So I knew Mm -hmm. the dog was comfortable. I knew Mimo Mm -hmm. was comfortable Mm -hmm. in, in somebody's arms that he loved yes um which is tough now you've got two aspects i guess i think that's a a great thing for people to understand is before um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before a pet is euthanized your services would be so comforting um what about that other aspect so when you have to make the decision because of a sick dog and then you're talking about um not keeping a dog for selfish reasons Right. How does it go down when people have to make that financial decision? How are you able to help them on that regard?
3: Um, again, what I would do is reframe it and make it very personal to their situation. Your animal, if you share that bond, you know their mind. And you know, you know that they would want the very best for you and, and or your family. And so to go into financial ruin is not something that that you want to do. Um, and, and I would talk to them in very, very gentle terms about that.
1: Yeah, that, that's a tough one. It, it's tough. It really is. It it really yeah. is. Because you know what? I think you almost feel that you're putting your needs ahead of the dog, and that's a tough one to swallow. Oh, Or right. the cat it, or whatever pet you're, you're dealing uh-huh. with at the time. So that... Uh-huh. It, it, it's so important what you can do to help people through this. It really is. It really oh, is. Thank you. Now, what do you advise regarding getting a pet after you've had to euthanize or after the loss? I mean, not all pets are euthanized. Some mm-hmm, pets mm-hmm. die of natural causes. Mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. what is your guideline for recommending or not recommending getting another pet? It's not a replacement, it's another and, oh, pet. Thank you.
3: Um, it can never be a replacement. Uh, only the person who is going through it can make the final decision as to when it's right for them to um, get another pet. You don't want to get another pet when you're still grieving the loss of, of the animal. You just can't because you can't be fair and honest with that new dog or cat or horse or whatever um, and and you can fall into doing things that you wouldn't normally do, like getting mad at it um, because it's not it's not like your last one, so you have to be very, very ready emotionally um, to take on that responsibility again. And I would talk to that person about what it is that they want to, like, why do they want to get another animal right now? I would suggest um, there are a couple of things that they could do when they feel that they are ready, and that is to go to... For example, go to an animal shelter and they have to be very, you know, very strict with themselves on this, that they're not going to bring home an animal that day. But to just go and look and be with them and feel it out and see how Mm -hmm. they're feeling. Go home, write down their feelings, talk to people, see what it is and try and really determine in themselves if they're ready to take that responsibility on. Wait another day. Go back, reread that, and then if they feel that they're ready, move forward with it. That might take
1: a couple of days. And it might take sure. a different time. You know, if you've got five or six members of your family, I guess you have to respect the wishes of the very last person to accept it.
3: Yes, yes. Because different people, um, different family members deal with grief differently. That's just all there is to it.
1: And you would you would counsel families individually. Yes. In, uh, it's okay, so even individually children
3: individually. And um, I would I would follow the lead of the family, but at some point, um, seeing everybody together would be would be wise.
1: The best idea. Yeah. Now Do you do Sorry, go ahead.
3: But seeing them individually first. Seeing I them think individually is, is wise.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, because everyone's different like you said. Mm-hmm. Now just mm-hmm. a quick question here, just a personal question I have um mm-hmm. before we we wrap up. Would you recommend that somebody get a a pet along the same like breed lines or oh, would, you, would you would you recommend question. something totally different?
3: Great question, Kathy. <laughs> um I've had it go both ways. <laughs> Personally, for myself, I I lost my Golden Retriever. And when I went to get a new dog, I, I just love Golden Retrievers. Mm-hmm. So I went and I got another Golden Retriever, and I'm thrilled okay. just because I I love that breed. Mm-hmm. Other people find it very difficult to go with the same breed. So again, I think the rule of thumb is that you have to know yourself really well to mm-hmm. be able to see if you can handle that same breed or not.
1: And you would take someone through that process as well, yes. just talking about mm-hmm. it? Okay, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a great awesome. show, Colleen. Um, it's, oh. What what you provide is something that I don't think people know about, and it's been a pleasure talking with you and, and getting word out about your service. Now, at the end of the show, we'd like to do a little tip of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Would you be able to pass on some of your knowledge, some more knowledge to our listeners? Well, I think what I would say, it took me a while to try and sort out what I wanted to say, but remember
3: what euthanasia means. It's the good death. It's the final gift that you can give to your animal companion. They may leave you physically, but they will never leave your heart. And that's what I want to end with, make that decision for them.
1: That's lovely. That's lovely. If you would like to get in contact with Colleen, you can contact her uh, visitor website at www.petbereavementservices.com. You can email her at info at petbereavementservices.com. If you've missed that or you would uh, like to get in contact with uh, Colleen through us, you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And again, we can pass all that information along to you. Thank you so much, Colleen. It's been a real pleasure talking. Talking to you today and we will talk to everybody next week on the health hub